This is Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And today's guest is Katie Simone. Hi, everybody. Take me away, my love, and let me feel again. Make believe this mess within is never gonna end. We search for meaning, we just come up empty. Tap into a well that's long been dry If you need me, you know where to find me I'll be wrapped up in the ends you left untied Vocalist and guitarist Katie Simone is a Pittsburgh-based singer-songwriter and extremely busy working musician. You might see her literally any day of the week in any part of the city as she performs with Dancing Queen, Ridgemont High, Justin Sellers, Billy the Kid, and a variety of other acts, as well as performing her own solo work and hitting up the open stages and karaoke nights around town. On top of all that, she coaches voice as well. In all this, you can easily see one of my favorite things about Katie. She loves to sing. Her enthusiasm appears as boundless as her energy. And if ever you wanted to meet someone who walks the walk, Katie is it. She has incredible range, incredible power, and I don't think there's a genre she couldn't tackle with ease. Today, I want to learn from Katie how she keeps up with herself, her practices to survive her ambitious workload, and what she does in the little time left over that is free. And first, I just want to, I'm stealing something from your social media presence. He said, highlight of my day, my 11-year-old student telling me she wants to sing Girl from Ipanema. I wish I wanted to sing material like that when I was 11. But now I wanted to sing Gwen Stefani and Nelly Furtado. (laughs) (laughs) Which is which is very humorous, which you are, and then also just like very interesting. And I just wanted to start with that, like you as an eleven-year-old. Was that when you really started singing? I started singing actually well before that. Before I was really even speaking in complete sentences, I was. I don't know if you would call it singing, but at least vocalizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, my parents both totally into music everything from you know r&b and soul to the classic rock stuff to you know some country even like prog rock jazz all over the map and i kind of always was drawn to melodies and grooves and i kind of started picking up on those and i remember like i'd be in the front seat this was like whenever you could like put your like infant child or toddler child on the front seat and like wouldn't get pulled over about it <laughs> yeah you mean like without a car seat or still in, oh, a, car in a car seat? seat but like that was like before like they yeah. started like really freaking out like no yeah. you put your child in the back and they can't come out till yeah. they're seven exactly <laughs> so i'd be in the front seat and my mom would be driving and she'd be singing along to the radio and i'd watch her mouth move ah. and that's kind of how i learned you know i mean i, I learned obviously like, words like mom dad you know and all that yeah. kind of stuff but watching her you know use her mouth to create words Mm -hmm. that 
you know, kind of made me like put the two and two together. Like, oh, that's what makes that sound that I like. Mm. And so, I mean, I just kind of became a sponge. Everything from Disney movies to what I'd hear on the radio or whatever, I just tackled it and wanted to sing it. And I was super shy as a kid. Um, like, I was, it was really hard for me to make friends because I was like literally terrified of people. Oh. But that's what kind of helped me overcome it was performing, you know, talent shows or singing in front of family and things like that. Little Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I Katie find... was terrified of people. Oh, and you <laughs> seem not that terrified today. No, no. It trusts me. Like, it's funny because, um, I was telling my boyfriend the other night, actually, I had a gig with Dancing Queen the other night um, at the Yacht Club in Fox Chapel. It was super packed, and all these people were coming up to me like, you're great, you're great. I'm like, thank you, thank you. I'm like, I need to get away from everybody. Mm -hmm. I still kind of get that way. Like, I don't, I love to perform, but in, like, being in a crowd does freak me out to this day. And I'm telling him, I'm like, can we go, can we go? He's like, you still have another set. I'm like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is really different, isn't it? Like, the feeling of performing, like, I... I feel this way too. Like I'm like an introvert, but I go on stage and I like, I'm like really front and center and Mm -hmm. I love that experience and something about that Mm -hmm. really satisfies me. So what is, what is performance like for you? It's, it's interesting. It's something that to me, it's where I am both a hundred percent myself, but a hundred percent an alter ego at the same time. It's Mm -hmm. just this weird marriage of the two. I mean, especially whenever I do like the wedding band cover band thing, I'm definitely in character because I mean, I love Madonna, but Material Girl is never going to be on my top five list of songs that just really inspired me. (laughs) But I have to dress up and play the part, you know what I mean? And just get into character. I don't feel right doing anything else. For each song like that, do you get into the character of that specific song? More than anything, I just try to get into not necessarily a specific character for the song, but just for the performance itself, you for know, the whole I mean? night. Yes. It's like I have to put on, you know, dance band front woman. Uh huh. I have to put that costume on tonight, and I have to hype up the crowd. I have to run around like crazy and sing to people and do shots with people while I'm singing. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you do that? Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the club. Um, it's funny because, like, if I would have, whenever I was a teenager, and I would have found out, like that my future self was doing like a cover band thing and like, you know, the sellout thing. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh my God, that's so gross. Then I started doing it and I'm like, and I looked at what kind of money I'm making and I'm like, this is actually fun. I'm getting paid to have fun and just party with drunk people. This isn't that bad. Mm -hmm. As Beth says, it's a T-T-M-A-R gig. (laughs) Take the money and run. (laughs) Take the money and run. Beth is our shared vocal coach. That's right. And great inspiration to us both. I was watching a video the other day of tongues it was like a real-time mri of the side shot of tongues a tongue moving around talking it was talking in german mm-hmm. um so i didn't really know what was happening in terms of the content but you could really see how much the tongue moves around to make all these different sounds and all these different air spaces mm-hmm. and it's it it's a cool video to watch. I recommend watching it. It's from the Max Planck Institute. I think it's really interesting, like what you said about watching your mom and watching her face and learning about the way that you make sounds and you just playing with that all the time when you were little. I wonder what you think about that now as, because you're also a vocal coach now. Yes. So I wonder what you think about that now, because one of the things that Beth, our mutual vocal coach, is always telling me is like, Okay, when you say this and you're just talking, this word, 
you know, the R or whatever is fine. But when you're singing, R sounds really bad. So you got to change the way you do that. And I wonder, since you've spent so much time as a kid and everything, and now you're a vocal coach, I just wonder what your thoughts are about, you know, tongue shapes and retraining your tongue and, like, how much of a problem do you see in that in your students with this? Oh, yeah, no, that's... That's a big part of what I tackle with my students. It was also a problem for me for a while, and sometimes it does kind of catch up to me, is my tongue. I tend to carry tension kind of in the back of my tongue. In fact, um, the one place I teach at, um, they put me in a different room. The room I was in originally had a mirror, Uh and the room that they put me in did not. I'm like, this isn't going to work. They're like, do you really need a mirror? I'm like, yes, I do. Don't question me. (laughs) Uh You don't understand. Like, you don't get it. Like... That's my favorite way to practice, and I encourage all of my students to do that, too, because, you know, to actually start visualizing what does your, you know, what does your mouth look like when you make this sound, or you know what I mean? Because, like, you have to understand what you're feeling internally, but a lot of people need the two to go hand in hand for it all to make sense. I mean, at least I do. The technical aspect along with the emotive aspect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do wonder, you are constantly performing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you also actually practice. I know we're all supposed to practice, (laughs) but I know not everyone actually does it, especially when they perform all the time. Yeah, I mean, I do slip up and not not warm up sometimes, which, you know, Uh it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I've gotten better at it. I don't always have time to sit down at the piano and warm up, so I do a lot of non-pitch-specific warm-ups. So I do a ton of lip trills, a ton mm-hmm. of sirens. Um, What's a siren? So a siren is... I'm going to have to back off the mic to do yeah. this, but um, siren is... That was so amazing. That's like my favorite moment that we've ever had on the show ever. <laughs> it's literally a siren, though, and like, um, yeah, they're. I love doing them. Uh huh. I love doing them because it, like, it just kind of gets me like, okay, I'm ready to go. You know. Yeah, and everyone else too. You should <laughs> I, start poor... to start the show like that on the mic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone stops and pays attention immediately. So you do a lot of those things and mm-hmm. you obviously you must be having to learn songs all the time too right oh i mean yeah i'm constantly having to learn songs i mean i'm constantly having to learn um material for my students like mm-hmm. <laughs> like i know way more about hamilton than i ever anticipated i would <laughs> so if we go back to you know teenage katie who you mm-hmm. referred to before as being um perhaps snooty about the cover band thing <laughs> Uh, what yep. did what did, what was your aspiration at that time? Man, when I was sixteen, seventeen, I wanted to be I, I wanted to be Chrissy Hind. Like that's pretty <laughs> much who I wanted to be. I wanted to write my own songs and have a band, and you know, just you know, fight tooth and nail to make something happen, and you know, not take the bullshit sellout gigs. Like I was just had this like snotty attitude like no I'm never gonna do that I'll never sing in a wedding band I'll never do anything like that you Mm -hmm. know and to an extent I mean I still I I have become that but I'm you know doing the wedding gigs (laughs) yeah I you know I mean I've write I've written songs since I was 10 years old I started writing yeah do Um, you remember 
Your early songs? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and nobody will ever find out about them. What were they about? <laughs> what were you writing about? Come on, just a little. Uh, being a 10-year-old uh, kind of loner, angsty kid who thought she knew what the world was all about and just had this really negative outlook on life. I feel like most prepubescent, pubescent kids have that kind of For attitude, sure. but... Yeah. I was a little bit more dramatic about it than most. So. <laughs> so those songs will remain in the vault. For the most part, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, though, what do you find yourself writing about today? I don't really have a certain, like, subject. It's kind of strange how songs come to me. I tend to be drawn to melodies and hooks. I could be listening to something on the radio and there could be like an instrumental part and I'll just start scat singing over it. Mm-hmm. And like, like, oh, that's kind of a cool hook or that's kind of a cool melody. So I kind of like keep that in the back of my head and mess around with it either on the piano or guitar and, you know, see what I can come up with. That's when the lyrics come typically is mm-hmm. after I have the you know, melody or hook or progression or something. You know, a lot a lot of writers I've talked to tend to be more of like a lyrics first kind of person, think of it more mm-hmm. like poetry. And I've written a couple songs like that, but for the most part, it's always been um, the vibe first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, out of the people we've interviewed, I'd say it's like just totally different for every person. Yeah, yeah. Like there's not a right way right. whatsoever. It's just right. however it does come to you right? as an artist. You know what I had in Beth for... so long and you know i still i still study with her whenever she's in town and Mm -hmm. do skype occasionally and contact her with all my problems in the world (laughs) yeah she's such an amazing person she's beyond a vocal coach for sure absolutely do you take the things you learned from her and bring them into your own coaching experience oh absolutely i'd studied with a couple other voice teachers when i was younger and they didn't really get into any proper breath work Mm. that much you know what I mean she was just kind of having me sing as I knew how to sing but I wasn't really singing right when I started working with Beth like it was just a complete 360 into like how deep you can go with learning about vocal technique Mm -hmm. you know and I was able to sing in a healthy way and not feel hoarse after a gig you know not have a sore throat and all that kind of stuff and just like the little crazy like little things that I would do in a lesson just made so much sense to me and I you know applied to my students like I remember she had me lift a like a chair with like a 10 hardback books stacked Mm -hmm. on it and sing because I was breathing incorrectly and my posture sucked and all that stuff yeah um so So clever yeah and it made total sense though like and I was like oh my god and just kind of everything clicked and so I do keep um Whenever I have a new student come into my studio, they see I have a couple of dumbbells in there. Like, what's that for? I'm like, no, you'll find out. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because she's a, you know, she's a real fitness oriented Mm -hmm. person, too. So Mm -hmm. she really, uh, she, I remember my first day with her, she sat down with the anatomy book to really show what is going on inside of your body and how different things, it's kind of like looking at that video of the tongue moving around. Like you understand suddenly how complex it is and how little shifts in your posture and breathing can oh, yeah. make a big difference. Oh, yeah. I guess then in that sense, people should, uh, everybody go to Katie for vocal coaching because <laughs> she's got the right idea. <laughs> hey, any, I, I feel like anybody who sings, I mean, 
should study with somebody. Even if you are the greatest singer in the world, they still have a coach. Guarantee it. I mean, a lot of people, I think, have the wrong idea about studying voice. I think a lot of people are like, well, I know how to sing. I have a good voice. I'm like, well, it's no, not, not necessarily about that. It's about how do you use it? You know, and how do you maintain it? How do you keep it healthy? You make all your money from music? For the most part, yes. From performing and teaching. Um, I, I mean, I've had a, a series of um, jobs throughout the years. Like right out of high school, I was um, doing makeup. I worked for Mac for a while, um, and I did freelance. I did some really cool, like theatrical stuff. I worked for the Scare House, mm-hmm. um, and that was cool. But I noticed that, like, oh well, when I do this. I'm not going to be able to sing as much because a lot of the times you have to work weekend evenings Mm. and like be random places. So it's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, try to get a little bit more into the music thing because I was writing and I was performing any chance I got. I'm like, I think I owe it to myself to dive a little bit deeper into this. So um, I got a job as an optician and I did that for close to five years eyeglasses person yes everything about the eyes so glasses contact lenses basically I like to you know I couldn't put it on my business card but I like to say that I was the optometrist bitch (laughs) which essentially I was optoma bitch optoma bitch yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I did that for a long time and um Honestly, it was maybe two months ago that I kind of was like, because I had stepped down to spend more time teaching and Mm -hmm. performing, but I was still doing it a couple days a week. I was um, putting a lens into a pair of glasses and um, nearly burned the skin off of my um, index finger right here on my left hand. Mm. It's my fretting hand. Yeah. I'm like, no. I'm like, I get paid like 13 bucks an hour to do this. This is not worth my time. Yeah, you can't risk. (laughs) Like, it's a great thing to get to that point where you don't want to risk your musical life with exactly. these other activities. Like I quit snowboarding because I need my knees to play the saw, exactly. Know? which is like so silly, but like I don't love it as much as I love music. And so right. I'm making that choice. So, so though, does, is there like a hot thing involved in putting a lens into a... So um, if it's a plastic frame, like, you know, like this right here, uh-huh. you um, use a device and it's basically a glorified eye hairdryer mm-hmm. and you heat the frame. Like you heat it till oh. it's kind of like like a bendy Jolly Rancher, uh huh. And that's whenever Good you put description. The, yeah, that's like the only way to describe it that makes sense to people. So you get it to that consistency, and then you put your lens in. Uh huh. Thing is, this lens was cut slightly too big for the frame. Oh. So I'm sitting here and like pushing and pushing and trying to just get it in there, and then. I touched like the hinge of the frame, which is metal. It's my two two weeks right here. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this. So, <laughs> so you're happy with your decision then? I am. You've played at the Grove, have you not? Oh yes, <laughs> I have many I, times. I love this place. It's like the swingers club from the '60s, yes. but all, they're all still going there, and it's. I think they're all still swinging. I just like to go there, and like none of them pay attention to you if you're under like 40. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. You just go and hang and dance, and not to make fun of anybody, but it's like amazing. Like it gives me new, renewed faith in like aging. It's still gonna be fun. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be fun later. It's gonna keep being fun. Yes. What do you What do you like about the Grove? Well, it's like you said. It's just the crowd is. It's amazing. Like I just love watching them. Like they have more energy than I do sometimes. I'm like you guys are like seventy and you're just like going crazy. As far as like places to play, like you know, with 
like the dance bands and stuff like that. Jurgles is a lot of fun. They treat the bands really, really well. Mm. It's one of the best sounding stages I've ever played on. Mm. So I love playing Jurgles. Um, you've played like all over town, right? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. haven't you played? Is there any place you haven't played that you're like, gotta scratch this one off? <laughs> the only like club I haven't played in like my entire singing career I have not actually done like a gig at the casino at Rivers. Hmm. So you've played other casinos. Yeah, I've played the Meadows and God, I don't even remember the other ones. <laughs> I started playing in clubs when I was maybe 16, 17. So 10, 11 years or something like that. And I'll be driving like, that used to, didn't that used to be a place? Didn't I play there? It's all blurring together It's all now. blur, yeah. because you are so pro. You have done so many things. <laughs> right? Or just crazy. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really hustle. Like you work, 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 work. And I mean, you must be like trying to make and confirm connections and stuff all the time, right? Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of tough because you have to be um, on call, mm-hmm. like, 24-7, really. Like, not 24-7, but you'd be amazed at some of the times I get phone calls from clubs. Like, hey, can you play this? I'm like, like it's like 1 in the morning. <laughs> like, what are you? Okay, whatever. You're sure. You paying me? Okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah, it's, we're, as long we're as you're paying me. As long as you pay me, call me whatever, whatever time you want. <laughs> Do you have, like, a rate that everybody knows? I mean, it depends on the room. It depends on the configuration. Mm-hmm. And, you know depends on the night of the week there's a bunch of factors that go into it you know there's also like well do i have to bring pa does my band have to bring pa mm. so what are all the different things that you play with and what are they in terms of like your personal priorities so like ridgemont high is like your band kind of right yeah but that's it's like a 80 ultimate 80s cover band yes. something like that that's that's my main gig like that's my main um like weekend gig i've been singing with them for two years now and it's it's all 80s, like pop, new wave, R&B, rock stuff. Um, we have ventured into like, we've done some like 90s stuff too, depending on the room and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, we have like a little acoustic configuration that we'll do that's like a little bit more of a variety and we'll play places like the uh, Beerhead and um, we've done like the Rivertown Brewery and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So a little bit more stripped down, kind of unplugged thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're a sub and dancing queen mm-hmm. and then like you just play with different people around town when they need yeah. what like um backup vocals too or yes um so i i do i duo with a couple people i duo with um justin sellers from the vagrants huh. um i duo with tom Leguy from three car garage and i also duo with uh jane west she's a um singer guitarist she's um from uh, Westmoreland County. She actually just recently moved back to Pittsburgh, but really killer singer, guitar player. We, we duo occasionally too. Like occasionally, you know, just random things. Like I've, I was singing back up in a Pink Floyd tribute band for a brief minute um, based out of Ohio hmm. last year. You get to do that great, uh, great gig in the sky, great gig in the sky yes. solo, which is just so fun. It's so much fun. I what love. a release. What are some <laughs> other like, just like iconic parts like that, that you just love to sing? Um, I always love singing Gimme Shelter. So mm, I was going to say, mm-hmm. I was just, that was going to be my next guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I similarly kind of cathartic as a backup part. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, I love singing um, Jackson Brown's version of Stay, where the girl comes in and does the uh, Frankie Valley part before Frankie mm. Valley comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, won't you stay? That part. Yeah. I love doing that. Um, I love doing backups, honestly. Like I, as much as I love fronting and, you know, performing and just being, like, out there, 
I love singing harmonies and singing back up mm. and just kind of being in the shadows. If I could get a cool gig singing back up for somebody, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You mean like, you know, on stage with Peter Gabriel kind of style? Exactly. Like a vocal up there? Yeah. That or, would be pretty dreamy. Oh, I yeah. I could see you doing it. My, my, my dream was always to sing a backup for Steely Dan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those chicks are so cool. Like, they just, they just look awesome, and then mm-hmm. they're just doing their little movements, and they're singing these super cool intervals because it's Steely Dan. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was wondering if there was a difference in the dynamic of um, between cover band world and original music world for mm-hmm. female musicians. Mm-hmm. And you're like a foot in both. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wondered if there's much of a contrast there. Do you feel anything different? I haven't like performed my originals out nearly as much as I have doing the cover band thing. But I mean, like the couple original bands that I've been in and like my most recent thing that I've done, I've, you know, it's been pretty smooth sailing. Um, like as far as like dealing with, you know, promoters and club owners, I mean, and from my own experience, people are, you know, have been pretty cool and respectful and like open, you know, to mm-hmm. new people. And the cover band scene, I think it's maybe because I'm kind of more at, you know, the person who's doing the booking and dealing with the business and stuff like that. And I mean, occasionally I have gotten the like, I'd get to the gig and, you know, ask for the manager, like, hey, I'm Katie from, you know, the band or whatever. Like, oh, um, where's your band leader? I'm like, I booked you're the gig. looking at her. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even the band leader, but I'm the one who booked the gig. I'm the yeah. one who's doing the, you know, business here. You know what I mean? So it's a different type of dynamic, I think, as far as the places you play mm-hmm. and the not even the crowds but more just like the the types of venues and like the locations because yeah. sometimes you're out a little bit more in the sticks mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you definitely do notice some uh, good old-fashioned uh, sexism <laughs> yeah traditionalism yeah exactly <laughs> like uh which one of these guys is your husband i'm like uh and like why are you asking yeah, that like exactly this, yeah exactly like what does that have to do anything <laughs> are you married you have any kids i'm like why? I, I, That's the worst question. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I just like sang Bon Jovi to you. <laughs> yeah, and like, this is what you're asking. Like, this is like. Sometimes I think my life is like a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, it is a weird movie. It's a really got weird news movie. for you. It's a weird movie. Yeah, my favorite is like you know because well, my my boyfriend now he he's also a musician and like occasionally he'll play with my band. But if he's not there, like, like if you have somebody's like, do you have a boyfriend? And if I'm like, well, yeah, I do. Like, well, why isn't he here? I didn't realize I had to be escorted places, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's like why I'd said earlier. I'm like, I just kind of like sometimes like to find the room to disappear into in between sets just because mm-hmm. it's not that I don't want to do small talk because, but I know where it leads to sometimes. I'm just like, I'm not here for this. My other favorite thing is like at the end of the night, and I'll be loading out, and, like, I'll be carrying a speaker or something like that. Oh, you shouldn't be carrying that, that you guys should Dude. be Like, shut up. <laughs> because they're telling you that you can't do it while they're watching you do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I've experienced that a lot myself. Yes. And it enrages me. And other men don't understand why it enrages me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's <sighs> the literal worst. <sighs> so I don't actually often ask the following question but Mm -hmm. you have such great um looks all the time (laughs) very glam you know your sunglasses today are like the size of my head and they're really awesome they're kind of catty are you always like collecting things are you when do you decide what your outfit's gonna be stuff like that for the Rangemont Higher Dancing Queen gigs like it's kind of 
like this part of the job is to dress the part and um so like i've i've had a lot of fun with it i've always loved clothes and you know costume design and things makeup makeup yeah so like i've always kind of been into that stuff so i have fun with it you know i'm like okay i'm gonna go for like uh i'm gonna try to do my makeup like a Del Bozio from Missing Persons, or, you know, I'm going to look at uh, pictures of uh, how Jerry Hall did her hair, you know, for Dancing Queen or whatever, and mm-hmm. I have a closet that's just all stage clothes, and uh-huh. it's Me fun. Too. Yeah, I'm not the only one, <laughs> thank gosh. I posted on Facebook a few weeks ago about how I, you know, I'm like, I need another closet just for stage clothes, mm-hmm. and I ended up making that happen, but my one friend, she's like, she's like, she's like, your stage clothes are like your clothes, because you're like always performing, I'm like, yeah, but... There's certain, I'm not going to wear a sequin fringe mini dress to play it, you know, like a biker bar or the R bar. Like, yeah. that's just not going to happen. <laughs> every gig's really different yeah. in every vo- location and even every day. Like, the same day at, at the venue, I mean, a different day at the same venue. Yes, exactly. Can call for a completely different outfit. Yes. And it matters whether it's sequins or fringe or how short or long it is and yes. all these things. Yes. I'm like you, except I can't do makeup or hair. So <laughs> I show up and I can't wear lipstick because I play the trombone and oh, it gets all man. over my face. Have you tried like any of the like really long wearing ones? Yeah, like I got some MAC actually, like the, like that really stains your lip. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's going to be a miracle because I read some sax lady said she used that and it worked for her. Um, and then I tried it and I just went straight to playing with it without testing it first, which was a terrible uh, idea. I made this like perfect round red oh circle my on my lips where my mouthpiece is that was like stained onto me and I had to scrub it off. That's not good. I got to tell you, there's a couple I've tried that like literally will not come off at all. I would like to like uh, somehow officially have like a the great lipstick trombone challenge where Ooh. all the different lipstick people send me their lipsticks and I try them all with the trombone so that they can get the real test that they can put on their products. Our lipstick's so good you can even play the trombone. So why don't we talk a little bit about your creative piece okay, cool. that you have brought today. So this is going to be one of your original solo pieces. Mm-hmm. And is this going to, this, you're working on an album right now. You're almost done. Almost. Um, This album has been, (laughs) it's funny. It's been like two years in the making. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working with Sean Maisie and Mark Palera from, uh, uh, they they play with Dan Bubin and the uh, Delta Struts. Yeah. We've been recording um, with Joe Monroe at his studio in Manaka and he's producer engineer playing keys and bass and just, just being the awesome wizard of the whole project. Mm -hmm. We've been, it's been kind of like, stop and start stop and start but i mean that's just the nature of the business whenever everybody is busy you know everybody has a lot of things going on but there's about mm, i'd say eight songs for the most part done and trying to figure out a couple more you know you don't think eight's enough (laughs) i'd like to do a 10 song record Uh uh-huh i'd like to you know go for 10 um i would like to do a cover of a song um I was actually trying to think of a local writer mm. and um I'm not gonna like spoil my plans on, on this in case the person would happen to listen to it, but I yeah. have an idea of whose song I wanna use. So Oh, cool. And it's a, a local artist. It's a local, yep. Local cool. legendary singer, local songwriter, legendary. rock and roller. <laughs> Whoa. 
Yep. I have a guess, but I'm going to guess later. <laughs> yeah, I can guess later. I don't want to spoil the surprise. So this is one of your eight already recorded tracks. That's correct. So the recording has guitar, bass, mm-hmm. drums, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got like a full band going on in the recording of your original music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you perform with a full band on the original music anywhere, or do you intend to? I mean, I have in the past, and the plan is actually... You know, we do have a couple things lined up um, for, like, the full band. But, I mean, if I do solo gigs, I throw in some of the originals, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Just you on and if, the guitar. Yeah, and depending on if the room wants to hear it. Yeah. I mean, if they keep screaming Bobby McGee, I'm, you know, I'm like, eh. You acquiesce? Yeah. <laughs> like, just this one real quick, and then I'll do Bobby McGee. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bartering thing. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, we've done gigs together. We This project started out on... Sean and I have known each other since we were, Sean's a couple years younger than me, but we were like maybe like 15 and 17 whenever um, we started just jamming together. And, um, you know, we talked off and on for years, like, let's do something, let's do something. And we were both like kind of heavily um, in the uh, blues scene here in Pittsburgh for a while. Mm-hmm. So they do this thing every year called the um, International Blues Challenge. And it's like basically a glorified battle of the bands um and whoever wins the battle of the bands gets to represent pittsburgh and memphis at the actual international mm-hmm. blues challenge so we uh were like well let's write you have to write like five songs it's like a five song set I'm like let's write five blues songs and we uh we did it and um we both decided afterwards that we really don't like playing blues. <laughs> uh-huh. And why is that? Because it's repetitive? I, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of blues that I love, and there's a lot of blues singers. I mean, Etta James will always be one of my favorite mm-hmm. singers of all time, you know, um, and I do love, you know, a lot of the style, but there's really, my thoughts are there's really no room to be progressive in the blues because, like, the blues fan base, for the most part, it's their purists. Mm-hmm. They expect things to be a certain way and fit a certain formula. And yeah, it's like very said, specific. Yeah, it's very specific. I'm like, okay, I'm doing blues music, but I'm listening to Kate Bush, and I'm listening to Peter Gabriel, or I'm listening to even, like, Hart. I'm like, this isn't... I, I want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. So we saved a couple of the songs from that, that particular session, like, whenever we started recording these. Because, you know, I, I still like them a little bit. We still thought they were kind of cool. But we ditched the rest of them. They're just kind of whatever. I might see if I can maybe sell one to some blues singer chick down in mm, Memphis one day. That's, that's how idea. I'll make my fortune. <laughs> but, um, no, we re- revisited it um, the uh, end of last year. We booked a studio time at Joe's studio. And we're like, well, let's just kind of see what happens. We jammed a little bit, and it was it was cool. But then I, like picked up my guitar and I'm like well I've had this song for a while and it's untied the one that we're gonna mm. play mm-hmm. it completely uh was not at all like how I had written it but I, I love how it turned out just really yeah so what's different so when I wrote untied um I was a uh, I had an afternoon gig I came home I had like maybe 20 minutes before I had to go and leave to uh, go to a, a recording session I was singing backup for somebody and I was just like, I'd gone through a breakup and I was just like feeling everything and nothing at all. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I grab my guitar and I had my capo up on like the third or third fret, I think it was. And I'm just strumming and 
at the time I was listening to like a lot of uh, Joni Mitchell. So I was really into that kind of like airy fairy, like high ethereal kind of, you know, style singing. I didn't have lyrics, but I was just like, just like, you know, just strumming and like, okay, blah, 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 blah. And then I just, uh, somehow it came to me wrapped up in the ends you left untied. I'm like, that's it. That's the hook. I wrote it in five minutes after that. Wow. Yeah. And I, it's funny. It's the magic of creativity. Yeah. It's really funny because the other day I was, um, I've been going through like a throw everything out phase, like get rid of every single thing that's cluttering up my house. Mm -hmm. And I, um, found a, uh, folder that had just a bunch of scraps in it. And I found the lyrics to that song when I wrote them and it was on like this crumpled up piece of paper written in like hot pink ink and like how did I expect to read that (laughs) I'm like that's kind of cool I'll save it yeah and frame it yeah yeah sell it on eBay yeah exactly in the future when you become Chrissy Hines yes whenever I become Chrissy Hines (laughs) I can only hope (laughs) um so then the song is about that feeling everything and nothing at the same time yeah kind of sensation mm-hmm. that's cool exactly that's a that's a great idea for a song i mean but it's not even like you had an idea for a song it just kind of came to you right like yeah it's just it just was like a live depiction of your state in that moment which mm-hmm. is a really cool way to write a song let's listen to it Time. 
I love it. It's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's really, um, I can feel the Joni Mitchell influence and also some kind of like Tori Amos thing going on in your voice. It's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And um, I was really proud about how you didn't go, and you went, and, <laughs> which is something oh, yeah. I'm learning for myself. <laughs> <laughs> can tell you have great control of your vocals it's really you can hear it all in there thank you and um i love the structure too like i love the you know the sandwich of the quiet intro and outro and then like Mm -hmm. the blast you into that big burst of energy and then you're like super cathartic like just screamo call thing it's not really a screamo it's just it's just that letting out kind of great gig in the sky but you know, like that way that, that channels the energy out of you. Yeah. That, that whale felt so good to do. Yeah. The whale. Yeah. It was, yes. it was like, I redid a couple parts of that, that, you know, the, the vocal on that. I, you know, did a couple other takes, but that was like first take. Really? Scream. I'm like, I was like, me and Joe looked at each other like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Wonderful. A lot of times I have found that like the first take of whatever the session is, at least the first take is usually like the best one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if you start to like get into the nitty gritties of it, you start to lose that authenticity and like the real beauty of the take. Yeah. Like that was like the first day. Like I never went back to retrack it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just from like the demo. Mm. And I thought about like, you know redoing it because i've done redone a couple of the other songs on the record like you know kind of gone back and lived with them and then like all right let me recut that basically i showed everybody the chords like this is how it goes and when i brought it in it was very much just like kind of acoustic like almost just like real rootsy like because i I, you know i mean i play enough guitar to accompany myself and get by but i'm not really much of an arranger in that like i have ideas about what i like Mm -hmm. but you know it was pretty bare bones and Sean, you know, starts following my vocal line on the guitar. And then all of a sudden he just like, kind of was like went into Zeppelin mode. I'm like, yes, this mm-hmm. is the song. This mm-hmm. is the song. So, yeah, that's the amazing thing about playing with other people and letting them have a little stamp on it is like, oh, yeah. especially when you have enough there that that person can hear that and then like bring that to life is really cool. Right. Um, but yeah, like I'm really glad it turned into a rocker mm-hmm. because it really allows that whale to just like shine really brings that possibility to life did you do your own backups on that i sang the high harmony on that and uh joe sang the lowest harmony on Mm. the um second chorus i think it is do you find the the studio recording version of singing to be harder or easier or or just different as when you're just going to sing any other day it's different. I love it, though. I'm honestly, like, I love performing, but there's a part of me that gets so happy being in the studio. Aside from this record, the most recent thing I've done was um, I've been doing some backup work for, um, I don't know if you guys know, the uh, the Dirty Charms. Mm-hmm. They um, have a new project going on, so I've been singing some backup for their upcoming record at a studio called The Vault. Amazing studio over in um, 
Neville Island. So I've been doing some stuff with them. And then I um, also sang on um, Chip Demonic's new record at um, Kevin McDonald's studio over in Swissville. I did that a couple months ago. And I love it. Like anytime somebody calls me for a session like that, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And it's always something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So being in those two super cool studios that I'd never been to before, I'm like, whoa, I'm like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> it is really fun doing session work because you see all these different places yes. and, and different studios. They're all really different from each other. Mm-hmm. And there's so many. Yep. What's your like kind of, I don't know, most weird or most challenging um, thing you've been asked to do? I don't know, because I think my perception of weird isn't, is, you know, a little bit different than most. (laughs) Uh That's an interesting statement. Yeah. Or should I say my perception of normal is a little bit different than Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's, uh, my question is really relative to your Mm -hmm. experience, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're not someone who does hip hop and then you are asked to do like, uh, like the the melody vocal line on the mm-hmm. supporting a hip hop track that might yeah. be weird to you but not to someone who does it all the See, time. Yeah, I've done. I mean, because I've done stuff like that, and like people will be like, "Are you sure you want?" I'm like, "Yeah." I don't really like to confine myself to any specific genres. I know what my wheelhouse is, mm-hmm. but I'm totally cool with like experimenting and going into something weird. I've done backups on you know, like some like super duper like Appalachian style like you know like bluegrass stuff mm-hmm. which isn't really what i do but I'm like okay i'll do it the weirdest gig i've ever done was um i got paid like 50 bucks to sing one song in a flash mob like at a <laughs> super high-end corporate christmas party a couple years ago i don't even remember what it was i think it was like um Santa, like i think it was like baby it's cold outside or something like that uh-huh. you know and it was just that was weird yeah <laughs> well, that's a good one yeah that's a good one question for you there's been all this hubbub about capos lately, mm-hmm. and um, I'm like a real novice guitar player. I'm still getting used to the thing, and uh, I use the capo because I am not very good at stuff. But also, like you know, sometimes your range you just have to use one. So, yeah. do you have an opinion about the capo? Or are you pro capo? Yeah, I, I hate the anti capo. Yeah, thing like that heck? upsets me so much. Like, not only is it like it's snobbish. Uh huh. You know, because like, all right, like I have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it's mainly in my knees, but I've noticed it as I've been getting a little older. I'm starting to feel a lot of pain in my hands, too. Oh, no. So sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cheat and play a capo. Mm-hmm. But the voicings are different, too. Yeah, right. Like know, it changes the way the string sounds. Is mm-hmm. that what you mean? Yeah. Like I haven't really done a whole lot with looping, but what I have done, like there's a couple tunes where I'll play in, you know, just regular position, then I'll transpose it in my head as best I can capo it up and it almost gives it like a mandolin effect mm-hmm. you know what I mean just kind of layer it over it I don't think I mean I do agree like with some you know guitar instructors like you shouldn't rely on it you know you should be able to transpose I agree with that 100% like you know learn how to transpose your chord progressions you know what I mean instead of having to rely on the capo even especially if it's only to take it like a step or a half step up right you know I mean that's pretty okay this makes sense you know what I mean it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to do they are more of a an accessory to you know what you do than a crutch right so yeah now i get i i hear i get so much shit like you play a capo and everything do you do you do any song without a capo i'm like you know what run your own railroad <laughs> yeah also especially like people shouldn't judge about stuff like that because they don't know for example about yeah. your rheumatoid arthritis yeah right and like that's a really good reason mm-hmm. to use a capo um, or like Joni Mitchell had like messed up hands too. And that's how she got right. that open tuning. And like, cause she just like needed to play 
and she found her way. And right. however you do that, it doesn't matter as exactly. long as you're able to perform the thing that you want to do. Exactly. So. I didn't know that there was like a, like a, that was a thing though, that like people were upset about capos. Uh, there's like a recent Pittsburgh uh, kerfuffle about capos. Oh yeah. God. It's like, uh, you know, the <laughs> Facebook, blah, blah, blah. For some reason, it's all I've over Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter right now. This like argument about capos. Okay, well, you know, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna record a. I'm gonna do a video of a song and I'm gonna have my capo up on like all the, the way fret. Try <laughs> the capo on my cold dead hands. Uh, one last question that you may or may not like. I don't know. The song that you brought today mm-hmm. was kind of you know it's a heartbreak song mm-hmm. and I was wondering if in you know the relationships you've had since that one. How do these people typically feel about your music being, you know, about other people or whatever, past loves? Like, do you find any tension with that? Or are people, or have you, have your partners been mostly like cool people who like want you to be able to express yourself? No, I mean, I've really only dated one other person since I wrote the song, that particular song, and he couldn't be any cooler. I mean, he's he gets it because he's a musician too you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he's not like insecure you know he would never take issue with you know me singing songs about somebody else you know what i mean i've dated a lot of people though that were just weird about everything like i've had them encourage me to just pursue music full time but when i finally do it did it and i you know didn't have as much time to spend with them Mm. they just were horrible to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i've had exes like know that i like if i would do a gig with somebody who i might have dated for a while you know maybe we're still cool with each other that's a problem i mean it's it's crazy like i've had you know ones that would never come to see me play but that come to make sure i wasn't you know leaving with somebody in the end of the Mm. night to be there at 1 30 right before the show's over yeah yeah that's tough Uh uh-huh that's that's hurtful yeah that's hurtful i think yeah. that's a hurtful thing to do yeah i mean in the best is like um i've had like i mean i'll play with guys who are like old enough to be my dad boyfriends be like are you fucking him you know oh what are you doing I'm like you known that like that you knew this about me getting into the relationship you knew that i am a musician you know mm-hmm. that i i this is my life you know that you're not going to be number one this is number one i'm extremely lucky now yeah i'm very very lucky were those other guys like not musicians Mm -hmm. or okay and it's funny because like i i've dated musicians but never had like you know like it was never anything like that developed into anything serious and things like that and there was a lot of ego clashing with that too so it's just like i feel like it's kind of like a fine line like i you know would sit there and be like i need to be with another musician like wait a minute that's the worst idea ever because (laughs) two crazy egos and it's just about you know for me it's just been about finding uh somebody who just understands your passion yeah exactly and your commitment yeah and your goals exactly and you are one of pittsburgh's busiest working female musicians <laughs> i mean you really every night you're somewhere yeah yeah i um been trying to actually cut back a little bit when you need a break what is it that you do i don't really have like a routine i love thrifting like that's one of my favorite things to do i love shopping for vinyl but i mean again mm-hmm. that's music mm-hmm. um i love cooking um if i'm off so that's the thing if i have a night off i go see my friends play or yeah. I, you know go watch a jam night or i'll go to you know karaoke over at sunny's or you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i need a release that's like 
not music, but it's just, like, this is the fun stuff, though. This is what I have fun doing. So. I mean, there's no reason you have to do anything else if that's what you want to do all the time. Exactly. That's great. I mean, and it is all different versions of music. So, mm-hmm. like, you going to sing karaoke or go to an open jam night is not like being on the job. Exactly. It's not like singing all night with, with a cover band. Right. Um, and doing your original music is not like that. And right. playing guitar. So, like, you have a really varied uh, career. And I think maybe that's one of the secrets. Yeah, to, um, and I mean, I've talked to a lot of, you know, people who have made it to, like, full-time musician status. You have to be open, and you can't be a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be versatile. I mean, like, that's why I started, you know, really going, you know, harder at playing guitar. Like, all right, I'm going to brush up my guitar skills. I'm going to, you know, teach myself how to play piano. I'm going to, I haven't picked up a bass since I was 15, but I just bought one the other day. I'm like, I'm going to relearn bass. Being as resourceful as possible and look for as many opportunities too. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, being open-minded, what kind of gigs you take too. I mean, like I never in a million years, like thought I'd like ever sing like at an old folks home, but I've done that. All kinds of things that just make I never would have thought of that, you know? Yeah, that's great. I love it. These are great tips for success. (laughs) That's what I love. I love when we can give give our listeners some secrets to success. Yeah. And I think being flexible and open-minded is really great. And also the other thing you said I really like is taking the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not doing that, you're going to not have more opportunities it snowballs right right like the more you do it the more people see you the more you're getting experience like everything about it is just creating more greatness for you right so that's great uh thank you so much for talking to us today thank you guys for having me it was so much fun yeah i had a lot of fun and i I love your song and i can't wait for (laughs) it to the whole album to be completed so get those couple tracks finish them up i want to hear it your great opus your PhD thesis <laughs> style album of two years. Yes. Invite me to your to your release. I can't wait to Absolutely. hear the rest of them. Really wonderful. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Petticoat Rule, Galvanizing Women in Musical Creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at PetticoatRule.net. Follow us on Facebook at PetticoatRule and on Instagram and Twitter at PetticoatRuleFM.